out on mute. I think everybody else has one. All right. Uh, verse chapter 22 of the Gospel of Luke, verses 24 through 32. Let's just read this, and um, then we'll have a word of prayer and kind of get back into where we were last week. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. He said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. They that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless the, the Bible study this morning. Please lead and guide and direct us, and uh, be with the Sunday school classes that are taking place downstairs. Be with the teachers as they teach their lessons. Be with the young people and the teenagers as well. Speak to their hearts through the word and by you, Holy Spirit. Bless the morning worship service to follow and the junior church hour. Thank you again for today and each and every day that you give us. Help us, Lord, to take each day and use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so real quickly to sum up uh, where we started this lesson last uh, Sunday morning. Um, well, if you just notice on the introduction, we talked last week about satanic attack. The devil never stops attacking. He's on a mission that will not end until he is cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. But until that happens, he'll continue to be our enemy and to wage war against God's people. And so Jesus warned the disciples of this just prior to his arrest and crucifixion. It's obvious that, that despite the ministering by the Lord's side for three years, that their minds were not completely tuned in. And we saw that like in verses 24 through 30. I mean, they've been with the Lord for three years, and there's strife about who's going to be the greatest, and they're missing so much here, and this will come to them eventually after the resurrection of the Lord. But if you haven't been in the Sunday School series, we started several weeks ago. We talked about the mind and thinking, and we talked about the fact that in the first lesson, that our minds are, been, are created by the Lord, and we use really um, very little of, of uh, the mind that God has given us. And uh, then we next lesson we went to was, um, we looked at a message that Paul preached in the book of Acts on Mars Hill, and he challenges the thinking of those who were worshiping all kinds of false gods. And um, so we talked about that. We looked into 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and with regards to um, Paul challenging Timothy to be, uh, uh, to be mindful of those who were, would bring things that were not really uh, scriptural. And um, so some great lessons there. We looked in the book of Philippians and what kind of mind that we should have as believers that, um, that we should have 
sacrificial minds and minds that want to serve and uh, so on and so forth, as Paul wrote that letter to the church in Philippi, and minds of submission. But then last week we started this. We're reminded that Satan attacks our minds and puts us through things at times, uh, challenges that, that we face. And um, you know, I was reading early this morning, like for instance in 1 Timothy 5.15, Paul wrote these words to Timothy. He said, For some are already turned aside after Satan. There were those right in the early church that, that um, were led astray. Or he says in 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas hath forsaken me for this present world. And he had, Demas had walked with Paul for a while and then he... Uh, his thinking was subverted and he stopped walking with Paul. We talked about the seductiveness of Satan and the destructiveness of Satan uh, and how Satan is, can, is very productive. He's good at, at what he does. And um, Proverbs 4.23 was, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So that's kind of, kind of a quick summation of of where we started last week, and then again, if you weren't here, we began to look at, or I mentioned to you that Satan has various tools that he uses, and uh, he's very effective with those tools. And so we talked last week about accusation, that Satan likes to bring accusation. And so we're not going to go back over that today, but we, we began to discuss that, and uh, we kind of had a lot of good input from all of you. And then we didn't get any further, but uh, well, we did get to opposition. We talked about opposition, 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And so I'd ask the question, for instance, how does Satan use accusation in our lives? And I said, then how does, how does Satan um, use opposition? And um, many of you had very good thoughts with regards to all of that. Um, and as we went through those, we were reminded that how we deal with it, we deal with it from a scriptural point of view. But that brings us now to where we're at today, imitation. And so the Bible warns us with regards to imitation. 2 Corinthians 11.13 says, For such are false apostles deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So let me, let me ask you, we'll go back to kind of that same question I asked on each of these. So how is it, how does Satan use imitation in, in, in our lives or in our culture to try to subvert our thinking. Basically, if you've ever watched, and I don't recommend that you do, but I have just for educational purposes, I've watched a 
couple of times Joel Olstein. I don't recommend that you watch Joel Olstein uh, because he's just a very much a prosperity. He just thinks that God wants everyone to do well and everyone to be wealthy and everyone. But yeah, that's that's prosperity gospel. And, and there are there are others that that especially we see it quite often in the charismatic movement, the prosperity gospel. And um, so, what else? Yeah, you see that. You see that quite a bit. I remember years ago, there was a gal in the church who came and there was a ministry that said if she would send X amount of dollars that they would send her an anointed handkerchief. And uh, that anointed handkerchief would just be, just be so wonderful. And, uh, you know, and, and on and on and on. So she, obviously she was a newer Christian. She said, what do you think about that? Well, I, I told her I thought about it. And um, so, yes? And uh, the lighting of candles to purchase your loved ones out of purgatory. Um, what do they call that? Some of you that indulgences. What are they called? Indulgences. Indulgences, right? Yeah. So that so you have all of this form of religion, um, but it's imitation. What else? So we're thinking of that. So we're, we're, there's other groups as well that uh, you know, the Mormons, the Jehovah Witness, um, who uh, have a have a quote unquote like Paul said about Rome, they have a form of godliness, but not according to knowledge. Paul said in um, in uh, first first Corinthians two ten. Listen to what Paul says here. He says. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have not received, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So I read those because sometimes people will say things like, well, ver they could be very religious people in the loosest sense of the word, but we know that religion, you know, like I remember reading years ago um, that in the Philippines there are people who uh, will hang themselves on crosses. Have you ever, did you ever see that? And hoping that hanging themselves on a cross in the Philippines will gain merit with God. Um, or crawl. I've heard uh, other stories of people who will crawl on their knees and bloodied knees and hands and hoping all of that. Well, so that's a form of religion. It's an imitation, but it's not the real thing. What else? Imitation. The way Satan uses imitation. I feel like that whole like, term religion, because like, I don't feel like I'm a religious person, a relationship with Christ. I don't like. I feel like. Religion as a whole, most like religions you think of, it's like all these steps you have to do, and you have 
your parents, if you're you have to take a trip to the Mecca or whatever it is, like whereas like that's like different than Christianity where it's I have a relationship with Christ. Christ has a relationship with me. Yeah. And and so and just so this this is just you know one instance here in Second Corinthians where Paul warns about deceitful workers, false apostles. They transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. Satan himself. For Jesus would warn, be careful of uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Or Paul, when he's his farewell address to the church in Ephesus in the book of Acts, he warns them, after my departure, grievous wolves shall enter in. So what, go ahead, Mike. Tate is, and that's probably a generational thing. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I don't know anything. I, I can't really speak about him um, because I don't know him. But I, I, okay. But I have said it does. And it, it does sometimes confuse me. There are many sports figures, and like there was a coach many years ago who coached the Giants, New York Giants. And he was supposed to be a well-known Christian. Well, then, you know, sometimes the NFL would do these sideline things and you'd hear the coach. And man, he sure didn't have a Christian's mouth on the sideline. He was just ripping it up with all kinds of four-letter words. And so I thought, wow, yeah, I'm not really... But, you know, I'm not his judge. I mean, I, could, I guess that you could examine the fruit, but... Um, so I don't know, you know, there's a fine line there because, you know, none of us are, uh, he that is without sin cast the first stone. So those are the kinds of things uh, I leave up to the Lord. Um, but yeah, I, I do sometimes get confused with entertainers or sports figures that say that they're believers, but their whole life doesn't really reflect it. Sometimes it doesn't reflect it at all. But so we should be, we should be, who was the guy that was popular about a year ago who was the rapper? What was the guy's name? Kanye. Kanye West. Oh, he for like several months. I mean, everybody was Kanye West. Joel Osteen thought he was great. Joel had him right into, the, into his um, uh, ministry there. Uh, I don't know. Whatever happened to Kanye? We're sold this church. All right. So, I don't know. Well, what? Anybody else? Any other imitation comments? How Satan uses imitation. Yes. I think we see people take scripture about God's love and leave out God's holiness, mm -hmm. and it's God's accepting the point where He's accepting sin. Yeah. And they take they use scripture to back it up, but it's clearly not. It's, it's accepting sin. Yeah, that almost kind of lends itself into the next point too: deception, where you take the word of God and. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Imitation. Maybe we consider this, but when I was looking at the Philippines, I'd be say, walking to the, I wear this cool stuff, and uh, a fellow would approach me, he would have a card, he would say, I'm a Christian. 
ministry or can you help give me an offering to help me in my ministry? Basically, it was a uh, ploy to just as a beggar. Make money. Get yeah. money. Yeah. That happens. Uh, anybody else? Yes. true but imitation thinking about what about like through this kind of out last week as well because we're, we're, we're pretty much talking now about religious organizations but what about in our culture that's around us yes the music industry with all their like, um, like videos and all that worship kind of well that would if they're worshiping Satan that wouldn't be imitation that would be that would be opposition. Now, imitation is something that it looks like uh, Christianity, but it's it's not. You know, we're different. Here, here's one. You know, there's I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We, I talked about a benevolent organization that's doing good work. It's it's paying for firemen and policemen's families if a fireman or the policeman is killed in the line of duty. And uh, so they pay off the mortgage. And I'm not saying that they're imitating anything, but sometimes don't people feel like that's, well, I know someone, I talk with someone who, he just does good things. He wants, he helped, in fact, he helped me. And he feels just by doing all of his good things, he's going to get to heaven. And that's kind of a form. So he's, so what he's doing, there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. He's just, been convinced that that that's the road that's going to lead him to heaven. He, he's kind of like, you know, it's the old good deeds versus bad deeds, and hopefully the good deeds will always outweigh the bad deeds, and when you stand before God, he'll, he'll see that. Yes, sir? In relation to the football players and stuff, there are people that have very exemplary lives, but their theology is Jesus is God, he didn't die for their sins. You need to complete some kind of task to attain heaven. But their lives are exemplary. Right. Yeah. Anything else? So what do we do? You know, what's the, you know, the, I guess the answer is the same for the first two. And it's actually, there's been a number of things that were mentioned here. What do we do to be careful not to be deceived by imitation? What, yeah. Yeah, no, you need to know what the Bible says. You need to know what the Word of God says. And let's face it, there are many people who will be in church today. I'm not talking about our church per se, although it could certainly be our church. I'm talking about churches who just walk in and whatever is preached, they just accept whatever is preached, and then they never study it for themselves to find out you know, what, is, what does the Bible say and how do we make application. So, and then so necessary that we have indwelling within us the Holy Spirit of God, which guides us and teaches us and leads us. So we're reminded that we're reminded that the Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something or lead you to do something that's contrary to the Scriptures. You know, and um, so that's why it's important to know the Scriptures. 
because there's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. Well, let's go on to the next one. So deception. Some of these that you've talked about have kind of crossed that line, but Revelation says, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So deception is a great tool of the enemy. And um, so some examples of that. How Satan deceives us. Again, some of these that you just gave kind of crossed over, you know, like figures who do good things. They're deceived. They're, not only are they deceived, but they deceive other people into thinking that's that's the truth. What else? I'd say the whole you know, Satan, like when, when we feel uh, um, like our conscience telling us something's wrong, Satan's like, oh, it's not, it's not that. It's not, that bad. it's not a big deal, you know, like, you can do this just once. Yeah, good, so Adam's bringing it to a personal level, so, um, you know, think of it, let's think of it from that perspective. How does Satan deceive us personally? If you didn't hear him, what he said was sometimes Satan comes along and there's a, there's a sin in front of us and Satan convinces us, eh, it's, it's no harm just to do it one time, and we're deceived into to that. I mean, one of the great deceptions in the Bible was King David and Bathsheba. He was deceived into thinking that he could have a relationship with a married woman and get away with it. And um, so that's sometimes how Satan works. What else? Other deceptions? I think that he, he can use, in David's case too, but he can use our emotions, you know, and or, you know, our fleshly, you know, you say fleshly desires, you think of like, like David and his lust for Bathsheba, but I mean just, just your kind of an emotional experience, and there are, you know, there are churches that are based a lot on emotion, and how we feel, and how whatever activity makes us feel, but it's not necessarily held up strongly when you, when you compare it with, uh, with scripture. Right. Uh, Ethan talked about that, I think, on was this Wednesday night or last Wednesday night. Yes, Nathan. To add on to that, uh, I think the culture nowadays tells you to follow your heart, and the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Um, I, I witnessed to a man at the dump once. Actually, I've witnessed to people at the dump numerous times. <laughs> But he was a nice fellow, and uh, his wife, well, his, I don't know if they're married now. They may be married now, but anyhow, they were living together, and she was a member of another Baptist church. And because the, he moved in, um, the, the, uh, and they were, she was a member, the pastor had to deal with it. And um, so he was all upset, and his thinking was, well, how could something that feels so right be wrong? Because the scriptures say that it's wrong. Amen? That's what, say, that's what says it's wrong. I had to talk to him about that. And, uh, and he listened, and, and uh, I think I helped him to understand that. And uh, hopefully, uh, he, he worked at the dump. So uh, I saw him quite a bit. 
He would always ask me. For, I would invite him to church but, and gave him all kinds of Christian material. But it's, anyhow, how could something that feels so right be wrong? What else? Deception. Being convinced of a certain formula to, to do to uh, inherit heaven. Yeah, that's kind of the whole theological thing. We talked about that uh, in the, with regards to imitation. Yeah. Yes? Well, how it personally affects you. I'm, I was about 12 years old when I he used science falsely so-called. All the scientists tell you that there's evolution. And rationally, I said to myself, if evolution is true, the Bible is false, which is a true statement. But evolution is not true. It took a long time to figure that out. Using false science is a way that Satan has deceived the whole world. Okay, yeah. Or many people. Sure. Um, they're kind of like uh, like changing the meaning of words like gender and like sex and saying that you can change your gender. Right. You're talking about gender, the whole gender thing today, that you can change your gender however you feel. <laughs> I was in the airport like two years ago and this uh, I'm heading for the men's room and this woman didn't realize that she, she was heading for the men's room. Oh, she stopped. Oh, I said, just feel like, a, if you just feel like a man today, just go right ahead. And I was just teasing her. But that's, that's the way it is. And uh, I was listening to a pod, not, uh, not a podcast, but something on Facebook actually, a Ben Shapiro clip about this whole gender thing. And he was giving the roots of this. So back in 1965, there was a professor at one of the universities. That's, that's where this, the whole seedbed to this whole gender thing began, you know, as far as the popular. I mean, we know that it begins with Satan, but you know what I'm saying. And he was the first one to start this whole, uh, you would, however you identify. I like, though, what Bill Maher said, and he's a liberal. Bill Maher said, if this is true, then, and if it's not taught, how come it's regional? And what he's saying is, how come it's so much of it takes place in California, but very little of it takes place in the Midwest? And what he was saying was, the Midwest has more conservative and family values, and California has many liberal values, or New York. How come it's regional? How come you see more of it in one area of the country and less of it in another area of the country if this is really you know, what they say that it is. I don't see that a lot of people in Nairobi fretting about what gender they are. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Going off of the airport, um, I was watching a movie and this uh, Matt Walsh was like, like, what is a woman in that movie? He went to a world tribe in Africa and they basically laughed at the entire idea. They were like, what is this? Right. The whole idea that you could possibly be a man but identify as a woman, it's just foreign. Yes? Well, up, I grew up in a Catholic Episcopal household and you know, the fact that now that I'm a Christian, it's, there's a lot of deception within the people that display the message. Because, like, growing up, you don't realize it, but now looking back, you do that 
they're not using the word of God to enlighten your lives as much as they are using the word to interpret what they want you to hear. It's more of a kind of like a step-by-step -step process of just kind of listen to what I have to say. And if you really sit down and you listen to like a, a mass, it's an interpretation of the Bible to the person that's giving the message, not the Bible itself and what it actually means. And it can be very deceiving to people when you come from that religion to true Christianity. It's almost like a, it's eye-opening to just think of how much stuff you've heard and listened to that really is just someone's interpretation. So let me ask you this question then. The, the person who is bringing or leading in that movement do you believe that they're genuine or that they are genuinely trying to deceive people? It, I think it depends on the person, to be completely honest. It depends on who they're looking. When the church that I went to, it really depended on the person he was talking to. So it felt like sometimes he would deceive. He would use the word to... Now, I guess what I'm asking, Travis, is do you feel like they're deliberately trying to deceive or they have been they have been deceived and they are genuinely presenting this as truth. Yeah. How they're teaching it back, teaching it forward. So I don't think they're deliberately deceiving, but the fact that it's an interpretation, their interpretation of the Bible instead of the actual Bible itself, what the Bible says, becomes deceptive. Yeah. So many years ago, our neighbors, Shelly was witnessing to, and she's good, they're good friends of ours. And um, she said uh, to her, read the, read the Bible. Just read the Bible. And she said to Shelley, Shelley, the Bible, and she's Catholic, the Bible is just a very small part of our faith. So for you and I, it's our whole faith. But for somebody that comes out of that, it's a very small part. This is not a joke. I had a conversation once with a Catholic and an Episcopalian. And maybe I know it sounds like a joke. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> the the Episcopalian. We went a boat. The Episcopalian said to the Catholic, he says, "Yeah, but your faith is a two-legged stool. It's built on scripture and tradition. Ours is more stable because it's built on scripture, tradition, and reason." And I'm like, well, I'm on a mono stool because I'm Zola Scripture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that, that's, that's the truth. That's how they, yeah. so it is a small part of their. I was talking a couple days ago with a coworker who grew up in Catholic school. And he said you were not allowed to ask questions. He's like. You were not allowed to ask questions in a Catholic school? Yeah, you were not allowed to reason. He's like, if you ask a question, you were, you were shut down. And said, basically, he was, he was told, why are you thinking? Why are you thinking? Yeah, that's the educational system, the public education system today. Why are you thinking? When you read the, all the those that were martyred during the 1500s, they were martyred because they had got a hold, hold of uh, the scripture and they were reading it and being converted and saying, what the uh, Mama Rome was teaching was contrary to what the Bible says. Right, well, they were translating the right. scriptures yeah. so that the people could read them. Yeah. Tyndale and, and Wycliffe and uh, oh, who else? Uh, no, I just can't remember any others right, right at the moment. But Luther. 
Luther. Yeah, Luther. Um, yeah, the Jesus and the Lollards. The, yes, the Lollards. The, the, now those, those groups, like the Lollards, the Pollockans, the Wallenses, uh, several others, I don't believe they came out of Rome. They existed. They existed. They are... They trace their roots back to the apostolic church. And uh, even, even Rome says pretty much the established Roman church didn't really come into how we know it today until a couple of hundred years after uh, the apostles. So um, there's always been, there have always been groups, believers, you know, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's always been believers that were Bible-believing people. And sometimes they had to flee for their lives and live away from much of the established world at that time or, or even today. You know, go to communist countries where it's illegal. People be arrested for doing what we're doing today, thrown into prison, killed for what we're doing today. Um, but there's always been people who love the Word of God because the Spirit of God. You know, one of my favorite stories, uh, missionary stories, was the story of a missionary in, in Vietnam preaching and had a guest in who preached. And afterwards, the guest preacher said to the missionary, what, what were those people writing in the back of the room? Because they just from the time he began to preach and, and read the Scriptures, they just kept writing. He said, those people have walked three days to get here, to hear you preach, and they have no Bible. So every time you wrote, you said anything from the Bible, they wrote it down to bring those little pieces of Bible back to their people so that they can give them the Word of God. And, um, and you and I probably, if we went home today, we probably have several Bibles at home, maybe several translations or computers or one of the great things about phones today is you can pull a Bible up on a phone. And so, in some ways, uh, this technology has been a blessing. Uh, like all technology, can either be a blessing or a curse, right? And so the phones have the Word of God on them. And uh, pretty hard to block it. I think in some countries they try to block the Bible from the people's phones. Uh, however you can do that, I don't, I don't know. But anyhow, so that's why I asked Travis, uh, because there's, I think there are many people who genuinely believe what they're telling people is the truth. Well, it's like I said last Sunday, I said, how could, so you ha if you come out of a, a background like that, how could mom and dad or grandma or grandpa or great-grandpa, how could they be so wrong? They were such nice people. How could, because of deception. You know, people have been deceived into thinking things aren't the truth. So, love the Word of God. Well, I actually have some more uh, that aren't even on your list here, so we, we, we may do this one more week. And uh, it's good, it's good the back and forth. Like well, anyhow, I'm running late, so I've got to have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, and thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, help us always as a people to be sensitive to the Bible, to your word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just lead us and guide us and confirm our faith within us, confirm how we heed the scriptures, um, 
speak to us, Lord, as only you can. As Jesus, you've promised uh, that through the Holy Spirit, you would enlighten us and uh, show us uh, the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.